Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we are taking up Romans chapter 8 and beginning a study verse by verse through this entire wonderful chapter of the Word of God, one of my favorites. We're going to talk about living a successful Christian life, power over the flesh, walking in the beauty of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy. Glad to have you here today. I want to just say hi to all of you that are just starting to watch this broadcast. Perhaps this is the first time you've ever watched it. Maybe some friends told you. Maybe you just accidentally stumbled onto it. But I don't believe in accidents. I do believe in divine design. And, uh, you know, I've had people come to church and say, oh, I came because so-and-so drugged me to church. Well, you know what? I think they might have dragged you to church. That's That might be true. You know, you were kicking and screaming all the way. But when you got there, you found out that actually the sermon was just made for you. You got there and you feel like, man, something, you know, this is great. We had a greeter at our door that stood there, a lady. And people walked through the door and she'd always say the same thing to them as they walked. She said, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine design. God has something for you today. You're going to hear something today that's going to change your life or something you've been asking God about for some time. Welcome to church. She got their anticipation level up so high. I just want you to know, you didn't tune into this broadcast by accident. This is by divine design that you're watching this program today. So you're going to be blessed by it. And for those of you who've been watching for some time, those of you who've been watching for a long time and are partners with me, thank you so much. Love for more of you to become a partner with me because there's so much more I want to do and so many more needs out there that I can't meet them all at one time, but I meet them progressively as people join me as partners in this ministry. Thank you so much. If you'd like to become a partner with me, then go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can join me because the major thing about this ministry is I'm not here just to get people born again. The major part of this ministry is the second part of the Great Commission. That's to teach all nations and about the word of God. My goal is to make disciples out of converts. You became a convert when you got born again. It's my desire to turn you into a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that comes by teaching you the word of God. So again, bobyandian.com, you'll find a place there on my website. You can become a partner with me. I'm going to be taking up for probably quite a few days. I'm going to be teaching on Romans chapter 8. We're going to go through it verse by verse. And actually, the book of Romans is just, you know, one of my favorite books. I always say that whatever I'm teaching is my favorite at the moment. But honestly, if I have to just stop and think for just a moment, what's one of my favorite subjects to teach is the book of Romans. And which part of the book of Romans do I love the most? Romans chapter eight, found right in the middle of the book, but it's really a transition chapter. And uh, let me just kind of lay out the essence of the book of Romans. Chapter one, two, three, four, and into chapter five is redemption. Five chapters on the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But the one thing that remained the same, even though there was law in the Old Testament, starting with Moses himself up until the cross of Jesus Christ, they were still saved by faith before the law ever came. That was Abraham. He's the subject of chapter four. And, uh, and then right after him becomes David during the law was saved by faith also. So the whole thing comes back to it's always been faith that pleases God. And even though they were in a dispensation of law, the law could not save them, but the law instructed them about the one who could, Jesus Christ. Two parts to the law. Number one, the first part of the law is the law, the written law. That's all the commandments. But the second part of the law is the sacrifices. The law and the sacrifices make up the law of Moses given. And neither part could save, but both were parts of instruction. 
The law was directed toward you and the sacrifices toward Jesus Christ. The law simply said, because the people said, it, let God give us a law. We can keep it. And God said, let's start with 10. How about that? And they couldn't keep the 10. Then he gave them more on top of that and simply showed them, no matter how great you think you are, you cannot match up to my level. They thought, as many sinners do today, I can save myself by being good. They probably came to the conclusion after a while, well, we can't keep them all, but maybe we can do more and keep more than we offend in and we don't do wrong. And that's where people are today. I think my good will outweigh my bad when I stand before God. Well, it really doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God knows and God placed in the word of God that the deeds of the law can by no means save anyone. No one has ever been, is, or ever will be saved by keeping the Mosaic law, the commandments that God has given, because we find out real quick we can't do it. The second part, the first part just tells you you're a sinner. You can't keep what God wants. The second part is the sacrifices that said every sacrifice speaks of Jesus Christ. I mean, from the turtle doves and pigeons all the way up to the, the rams and lambs and all the way up finally to the oxen that were offered to the Lord from the smallest to the greatest. These are what God was teaching. Everyone teaches an attribute about Jesus Christ. Every sacrifice, every meal offering, grain offering, salt offering, every bit of incense, everything about the law teaches about Jesus Christ, including all the furniture in the tabernacle, everything taught of Jesus Christ, including the tabernacle itself. And so the purpose of the law was to instruct us in Christ. And Paul even said it, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And after we come to Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. The purpose of the law was to bring them to Jesus, who's been the only means of salvation ever. They called him Jehovah in the Old Testament. We call him Jesus Christ in the New. And so that's the subject of, of chapters one through five. And in chapter five, it starts out, we're justified by faith and uh, we have righteousness with God. And those that are justified by faith now have peace with God. But then after salvation, what Paul experienced was this, there was a time of carnality. And I mean, we often think, well, they're born again. They all should be living for God. It takes a while because chapter six and seven of the book of Romans is Paul facing this thing called the flesh and finding out he still had the flesh after he was saved. He's got the, the Holy Spirit living in his spirit, and, uh, and, and, but yet he's still got the flesh. The flesh is what's found in within your body because every part of you uh, can be redeemed except for the flesh. And the only way we're going to have the flesh redeemed is got to die first of all, then we get a brand new flesh called a resurrection body. But what's in your flesh actually still carries the curse in it because the curse went into everything made out of dust on the earth. When Adam sinned, the curse went into the dust of the ground and it affected plants and animals and all the different things we have here. And uh, so the moment that happened, then man's flesh received the curse. And so man uh, died basically from the outside in. And uh, when he died from the outside in, first of all came the nature of the flesh, then came spiritual death. But God redeems us from the inside out. The first thing that happens when we get born again is we receive Jesus and our spirit is made alive. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our spirit. The next thing we have to do is train our mind and our thinking to start thinking according to the spirit within us and according to God's holy word. Once we start to walk in those promises, we have the renewing of the mind. The two parts that go to heaven is your spirit and your soul. Your body has to die and stay here unless it goes through the rapture. 
But again, the last thing that's gonna be redeemed in us will be our human body and we'll have a resurrection body on that day. In the meantime, as long as you're in this earth, you still have the nature of the flesh in here and this is what drives you towards sin. There's three sources of sin in the Bible, and that is the world, that's the world system around us, and Satan, but the next thing is your own flesh. And even the world and Satan have to appeal to your mental thinking to get you to choose to go that way. But here's the point, even though I still carry the nature of the flesh in me, and this is what can prompt me towards sin, I don't really need the devil to sin or the world. My own flesh can tempt me. But on the other hand, the Holy Spirit living in my spirit on the inside is far greater in power than the nature of the flesh. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world or he that's in your flesh. So the greater one is there, but you have to learn to choose. And again, oftentimes a new convert becomes confused in his own life saying, well, how am I supposed to walk with God? I still face the same old things I did and find myself falling back into some of those things. Here's the point. You are born again. You haven't lost your salvation. You just need to start learning the word of God and walking by it. And chapter six and seven of the book of Romans is Paul in confusion going, I don't understand myself. And finally, by the end of chapter seven, he comes to the conclusion, ah, it's sin that works in my members. It's the body of sin that I have problems with. And chapter eight is where the light comes on. Chapter eight is the daylight after two chapters of darkness and questioning of carnality that Paul suffered through in chapter seven and eight. So in this particular chapter, chapter eight, we have literally the beauty of walking in holiness, the beauty of God's plan for our life all the way to the future. And then chapter eight, when it ends, will resume in chapter 12. Chapter 12 now tells us how to walk in God's fullness, how to be uh, free from uh, the, the, the flesh and its effect on us, and we can walk free from it. It's through the decision-making not to go into the flesh, but to walk by the Spirit. And that comes in chapter 12. So chapter eight really gives us all the beauty of it, the goal of it, our future, our walk with God, heaven itself, uh, all the great things God has planned for us. But then in chapter 12, it resumes. And chapter eight takes up again in chapter 12. But chapters uh, nine, 10 and 11 is Paul, I, I like to say this, there's a parenthetical section of this particular book. And in chapters 9, 10 and 11, that parenthesis part, Paul stops and talks about his love for Israel. And even though he's, he's, he's ministering mainly to Gentiles, such as this book of Romans, he still has a love for the Jews. And that comes back in Paul's the intense desire to see Israel and the Jews born again, but talks about the partial blindness they're walking in because of their years of rejection of God's plan. And finally, when Jesus came, he then turned to the Gentiles. And he points that out in chapters 9, 10, and 11. But when he comes to the end of chapter 11, he goes right to chapter 12 and picks up right where he left off here in Romans chapter 8. Well, I hope you got all that, okay? Because we're just now getting into it. Let's start with chapter eight. Let's go to verse one. And he says, there is therefore. Therefore means now I've come to the conclusion after chapter six and chapter seven of the domination of the flesh in my life. I've learned here the secret of it. Now I realize something. Even though I was caught up in the flesh, I'm still in Christ. 
I'm still born again. Even though I might've sinned at that time, I had bad thoughts. I did things contrary to what I really want to do. I found this, this controversy inside me, this warfare going on between my spirit, the recreated spirit dominated by the Holy Spirit who lives there and the nature of the flesh that I still have after I'm born again. He now comes to this in chapter eight. All that mess I went through, that confusion, didn't separate me from my life in Jesus Christ. In natural, this natural life, sin cannot separate me from eternal life. Eternal life is exactly what it says inside of you, eternal. Once you receive it in your life, it is everlasting. It starts on that day and never, ever ends. That's eternal life in you. So let's start with verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation simply means we will never face the condemnation of God. We will never face the wrath of God. When we became born again, we entered into eternal life with him and God has a planned destiny for us that we're going to get there. And even though I mess up and and fall down and and bungle in, in this life, the beauty of it is I can get back up and keep right on going knowing this, there's no condemnation. I want you to look at the end of this verse of scripture where I drew a parenthesis around who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You'll find all kinds of comments in your Bible about that. In fact, in some of your translations, this isn't even there because it doesn't belong there. That part belongs in verse four, which repeated again, and somebody put it in verse one, a translator, it doesn't belong there. This verse simply says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse four, we'll talk about as we walk with God in daily life, then that is affected by our walk with God when we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I'll see you right after the break. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life 
through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. All right, again, verse one of chapter eight of Romans says this, there is therefore, after ch- chapter six and seven, the two chapters of the difficulty and confusion that Paul walked through because I've been born again. Why am I still acting like this? He learned to overcome the nature of the flesh. Verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is this written? To let me, to simply let you know if you've messed up, if you've sinned and you've asked God to forgive you, uh, that's what the most important thing is. But even so, there's no condemnation. God's not condemning you. God's encouraging you to come back to him. And the essence is no longer not to get born again. The essence is now to ask God to forgive you that sin. And this is 1 John 1, 9. We'll be talking about this later on in this particular chapter. But every believer sins after they become born again. And what God's desire is, the more you walk in his word, the less you sin. So this chapter actually introduces the daylight after two chapters of darkness and questioning in the carnality that Paul was suffering through in chapters six and seven. So here in ver- in chapter eight, verses one through eight is the transition into the message of freedom that we can actually begin to walk in freedom, but it starts by the renewing of the mind, which will be the essence of chapter 12. Chap- this verse is just simply telling you how great life can be as a Christian. Chapter 12 is gonna tell you how you do it by the renewing of the mind. The, the spirit's been born again, all right? It will never change. Your flesh will never change, but what changes you into a successful Christian is the renewing of your mind, thinking. If you were born again at 30 years old, you have 30 years to undo, or you have 30 years of undoing in your thinking, and that comes by coming to the word of God. Every day, studying the word of God. I can tell you this, it took you 30 years to get in this mess, but it's not gonna take you 30 years to get out of it. You can begin to walk in freedom as you learn verses of scripture, study after God's word. Jesus said to those Jews who just believed in him, now he said, if you'll walk in my word and continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. A disciple knows the truth of the word of God, and that word will set him free. But again, the closing of verse one, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, does not belong there. Some of you have a parenthesis in your Bible. Others have a note there beside it telling you this really belongs down in verse four that the oldest manuscripts do not include this particular part of it, but some translator put it in there. It belongs down in verse four, where now you begin to walk in this natural life according to the word of God. That is what's talking about. Verse one is salvation and verse four is your spirituality as you learn to grow and spiritual growth in the kingdom of God. So again, this verse introduced, I like this, it introduces the daylight after two chapters of darkness, where Paul was looking at his flesh, questioning his own ability, wondering if he's even born again. And now we come to this one where suddenly the the truth dawns on him. It's learning to walk in the spirit. And then later on in chapter 12, walking in the word of God, those two go together. So verses one through eight in this chapter is a transition into the message of freedom in this particular chapter. And it also points out that our struggles with sin cannot separate us from eternal life. This chapter tells us that we will always have before our eyes the eternal freedom from God's wrath for those who are saved, always. You understand this, once you get born again, you will never face hell. You will never face the lake of fire. 
You're going to go to heaven. Now, God's desire when you get to heaven is to have a lot of rewards, and that comes from walking with the Lord in earth. But heaven itself is not a reward. It's a gift. But once you get there, God has rewards for the things you did in life, how that you led your life and the works you produced for him, helping people, feeding people, giving into God's kingdom, becoming a witness, doing the will of God in this life and not thinking of yourself, but thinking of other people. God has heavy rewards in heaven for that. And that's what I'm looking forward to going to heaven and not only going there, but seeing the the great gifts that God has, the great offerings that God has, the great rewards he has for my life. The production of the spirit and the word-filled life will be taken up again in the follow-up chapter, chapter 12 of this book, The Renewing of the Mind. And again, I pointed out in the first half of the broadcast here, chapters 9 through 11 are parenthetical. Paul's love for his natural people, the Jews, and God's plan for them during the upcoming time after the church age, the coming tribulation, and then throughout eternity. So verse one does not include the phrase, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It will be found in verse four, and that's the correct place it belongs. Correctly attached to the walk of faith, growth and discipleship, not your salvation. Once you became born again, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment of God on you for eternity. There may be times where he'll discipline you in life for the things you're doing, but just like a parent's love for their child, multiply that a thousand times, that's God's love for his kids. And again, he offers to us eternal life, not intermittent life. In verse two, it says this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Once I became born again, the spirit of life moved into me and made me free as far as eternal life is concerned, from the law of sin and death. Since the Holy Spirit lives in our human spirit, nothing can separate us from the life of the Spirit in us. We, like Paul, may be under the control of the flesh for a while, but we can break loose of its power because of its temporary hold on our life, but our salvation is eternal. If I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and then am guided by God's word, I'm protected from the power of the flesh. That's the nature of the flesh found in me. And again, in chapter six and seven, Paul strictly pointed out that he found out where this was located. He talked about the body of sin. He said, sin that works in my members. The same thing's brought out in chapter four of James where he says, where does wars and, and fightings and all this stuff come from? Doesn't it come from your members? and sin that works in your members. So again, your body will be redeemed one day when you get a resurrection body. But in the meantime, there's a nature there that can drive you and push you towards sin. But walking in the spirit is far greater because it is a greater flow, a greater power in me than what the flesh can offer. God's desire is that the flesh one day become your servant. And that's found in chapter 12 to where the body just simply obeys. I mean, it's tried and tried and tried to to come against you. It's tried to throw in things against you because it doesn't like you serving God. It's still attached to the curse in this earth. But you know what God said? If you walk by my word and you do it daily, there's gonna come a time when when literally your members will become servants for God. And they'll work for God there. Therefore, when I wanna go somewhere and, and, and give to the poor, my hands will do it. And my body may not like it. My body may not be saying, no, you need to keep this money. You need to hang on to it. No, I'm going to give it into God's word because God's word and God's work will last forever. And I want eternal rewards when I get to heaven for what I've done on this earth.
So again, if I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and then am guided by God's word, I'm protected from the power of the flesh. I'm able to walk in freedom from sin and I can begin to walk in true holiness, which is God's goal for my daily walk. If I sin, I become carnal. I become a carnal Christian. This is brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter three. Notice I'm still a Christian, but I'm carnal. I'm under the control of the flesh, even though the Holy Spirit lives in me. I like to think of it this way. If I'm under the control of the flesh, I, if I yield to the flesh and do what it says, the Holy Spirit just folds his arms. He's living inside of me. He simply said, I have no control. You have personally turned the control of your life over right now to the flesh. You know how I break that? I simply go to 1 John 1, 9, and I acknowledge to God, I've sinned. Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. And I go back on my way. You know what happens? Then the flesh has to fold its arms and the Holy Spirit takes over. It's my choice to be carnally minded or to be spiritually minded. We'll get into that again as we keep on going. So again, if I sin, what the Bible says is I become carnal. I am a Christian under the control of my flesh and I need to return to fellowship through confession of sins. The the prodigal did this. I mean, he was out there. He's still called the prodigal son. He said, I'll return to my father. Notice the relationship was still there, even though he was in the pig pen. And what he said was, I'll go and I'll say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's exactly what we've done. We just need to go to God and say, I sinned against you. God says, and fine, it's cleansed. I just wanted you to acknowledge it to me. And the moment we do that, man, the flesh has no control in our life and we're back under the control of the Holy Spirit. Verse three goes on to say here in chapter eight, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak because of the flesh. The reason, listen, if I could live up to what the law said, I'd have to do it through my spirit, but the spirit is dead before I'm born again. And the reason why I can is because my flesh cannot keep God's commandments. And that's what I do. If I'm not born again, I have to commit with my own will. Grit my teeth, pound my foot, pound my uh, fist on the desk and say, I'll do this. As a sinner, that's what people do. I'm just going to live nice and live kind toward people. And they grit their teeth and try to do it. But in the flesh, you cannot do it. What the law could not do in that it was weak or because of the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And then he condemned sin in the flesh. What the Lord did was he set me free from the flesh. Even though it's still there, it is no longer my master. Jesus is my master unless I temporarily turn over control of my life back to the flesh. And then again, my spirit's still born again, but the Holy Spirit simply saying, give me control back. I want to have control of your life. And what was pointed out in this verse of scripture is God did this redeeming us by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and then he condemned sin in the flesh. What happened was when I became born again, he actually separated me from the control of the flesh, but I have a choice to either listen to the flesh again or stay with the spirit. And God wants us to get to a point in our life where we have to look back and say, when's the last time I sinned? When's the last time I listened to my flesh? God wants to be that it's so rare that we look back on our life and we can rejoice. Look at the past five years, look at the past 10 years. I mean, I have come so far in that time and this is what God is looking for. Salvation is instantaneous, but the walk of the spirit, freedom from the control of the flesh is continuous. It keeps increasing daily and we become more and more pleasing to God as we walk with him. So by walking with the Lord, 
walking in his word, under the control of the Holy Spirit, I progressively day by day become more separated from sin and his control in my life than I ever have been and can actually look back on my life and say, I can't remember the last time that I even sinned. I mean, I can I remember some times, but I can't remember the last time. It's like I've come so far because the moment I do something wrong, I immediately say, Lord, forgive that. And I keep on going. If I vary off the track, I just get back on track and keep on going. This is the goal of God for us in our Christian life. When we come back tomorrow, I'm gonna talk about the humanity of Jesus Christ. This verse says that God did this, redeemed us from sin, redeemed us from eternal death and gave us eternal life by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice in the likeness of sinful flesh because Jesus never sinned, but he came to this earth and took upon himself my sin, took upon himself my curse, that if I receive him as my savior, I can be set free from these things, have eternal life and know that heaven is my home. The same thing happens with you. This is great stuff. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.